I had Leith Lofton in here yesterday and um, I was talking to him about he gets invited all over the you know place whether it's a hunting camp or a, a summer party a beach party a beach house I mean I've seen him you know all over the country he has friends everywhere and um, a lot of his friendships have been not just his personality they've been um, the foundation of those friendships is his guitar he puts that guitar in his hand he starts picking it and it's just like you can't help but fall in love with his lyrics and his songs. Right. So he's just developed all these friendships all across the country. And now it's like, you know, you've talked to him. You're like, Hey, you know, when I come out, I want you to, I want you to sing when I'm cooking at this deal. And, and, um, I, I look at what you do and it, it's, um, it has a lot of relativity to it as far as your grill, your Traeger, whether we're talking about the pro 34, the new Timberline series, that's your guitar. And when you're standing around that, that's your instrument and that's your, that's your social gathering. That's your social network. And you've made a lot of bonding. You've had a lot of bonding and de developed a lot of friendships with your instrument, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I have. And uh, I mean, you're one of those. And, and I, I think it's awesome because it gives you an opportunity to, you know, you're working with a great brand at Traeger, but then, you know, the way that we go to market as a company, you know, you just get to meet people from a lot of different walks of life. Um, and I, I love it, man. And, and, you know, when I got into barbecue, I thought maybe it was just going to be, you know, barbecue people I would meet, but to meet some of the celebrities and guys like that, that I've got to cook for and a lot of the outdoors people, I mean, I've always been interested in the outdoors, but you know, to meet guys like you and John Dudley and Mendez and those guys, it's, it's cool to talk and learn that shop a little bit and obviously get to cook the stuff y'all harvest. And, and I love that about it is, you know, when you start talking about the, the organic lifestyle and living off the land, there's nothing better than my mind, especially, you know, as a man, I'm talking, you know, and I know women can do it too. This has nothing to do with that, but being a provider is just a cool vibe. And it doesn't matter if, if it, the way you provide, as long as you provide. And I think, you know, going out and, and honing your skills as a, as a gatherer and a hunter and then being able to process and butcher that meat and then take it to the level of what you do with your love and passion for the grill. You just came back from, um, before you were in Salt Lake city at your shop class, you were in Kansas at the world Turkey championships. Bobby Pinson had you out there again because you're, you're manning all those grills and he's got a huge crowd out there. And a lot of the socializing in our country and in, in like in the outdoors and what we do is around the table and around the grill, like I was saying before. So the stories being told are always around a campfire with a cocktail or a cold beer, or they're around the dinner table for breakfast, lunch, or dinner before you go to the blind, right after the blind, after a nap, or before you, you know, after dinner that night or bef during dinner. Um, why, why do you say yes to all of it? It's like you, you, you're working nonstop, Chad. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I look at it as, you know, I was, I always kind of grew up on never take tomorrow for granted. You know what I mean? If you, if you get an opportunity and it works and it's, it's a right fit for the brand and Traeger needs me there. Hey man, I can, I can sleep in a couple of years, you know, go, go enjoy it and have fun with it. And I, I think there's one man, I just enjoy making people happy with food. Like I just enjoy that, you know, and just as much as I enjoy that, I enjoy teaching people and teaching people don't, doesn't have to always be a structured shop class or a structured seminar. And you can teach people just like you were talking about. Let's take the World Turkey Hunting Championships, for instance. You know, you'd have guys come in after their hunt. We're there cooking dinner, man. They pull up a chair, watch what you're doing, ask you why you're doing what you're doing. And I enjoy that, man. I enjoy educating people. And I enjoy making people happy with food and to, to get to meet, you know, the different walks of life that I've been able to just through being a pretty good cook is, is awesome. And in one of the, the 
highlights of my, you know, my, and we haven't known each other well, but we've gotten to know each other because I'm always blowing your phone up. And I love that about you because I always brag about when I was coming up in the goose and duck calling world, I always brag on the people that always answered their phone when I wanted to learn how to call. So now I'm in that position where some people want me to teach them. And I, I don't, I was talking to Leith this morning. These guys are sending me videos of here's how I sound. Can I get some pointers? And you, you don't feel like you have to, but you want to, because that's who, that's was me at one time. And so every time I look, you know, lean on you for, Hey, this grill, what, what's this recipe? How long do I put this on? What temperature do I want this for medium rare? You're always there. And I think that what you're saying with that, what you get to do and what you've gotten to do, the one thing that sticks out in my mind is what we got to do together in Iowa. Absolutely. And you know, the, the young man died in a, in a, in a car accident on a, on a back roads and in, in Iowa on the Nebraska border, he was a big part of the wrestling team there at Missouri Valley high school. And for you to come in and throw down, we had eight grills going and you cooked for over 500 people that night. We, our goal was to raise $5,000 for that wrestling team to get a new mat so we could dedicate that mat to that, that wrestler. We raised $12,900 that night and there was not one drop of food left in any of the trays. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. It was emotional. It was a lot of passion and compassion going on. And because of our ability to give back your love for food, my love for the outdoors and our, our compassion for people we were able to make that family go, this is unreal. And that was centered a lot around your personality because you owned that night. And it was just, it was awesome to do that with you. No, I agree, man. You know, I loved the opportunity. And I think, you know, when, you know, we, we get caught up in doing so many things because, you know, it's good for the brand or it's good exposure. It's good impressions, man. None of that mattered that night. You know what I mean? What, what, what the reason we did it was, it was the right thing to do. You know, and we had the opportunity to do it and, and you're right. I got and we got to thank Kyle and, and Tyler also and, and your guys for the help. Um, but dude, I mean, when you talk about eight Pro 34s and we cooked mac and cheese, peach cobbler, we had ribs, we had brisket, we had pork butt. I mean, we we turned out some food. And I and I, I appreciate you saying we, but it was you and Kyle, you guys, just your you and your team and crew. It was amazing to see all of those different pieces of that puzzle come into connectivity and and, and start to you know we at the beginning of the day we're like you know, we got to get the grills put together and then we got to get them cooked off in season. And, and just to see that whole night come together. And then at the end of the night to be able to draw those, the, 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 you know, the auction items and the raffle items and, and to see people's commitment to that community yep. and their commitment to that family. And when we were donating guns and, and, and handguns and hunts and every single thing was going for top dollar, not because it was rel- you know, like maybe worth that amount, but those guys were, they weren't, nothing was stopping them to raise that money. And when I wrote that number on the check and turned it around and, 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 it, and, and, and everybody got to see what we raised, yeah. everybody just started crying. No, I agree. You know, and to me, I think that's just, that's what I love about small town America. You know what I mean? That, you know, people come together and take care of their community. And I think we get caught up in different things and this and that, but you know, that's what it's about. It's about taking care of your community. You know, I feel like back home, my community's taking really good care of me with my businesses and the, and the things that I do. So, you know, you got to give back and take care of your community at the same time. And I agree. And, and, and everybody, I, I want to, we started off with just a couple little 
stories about what we've been experiencing together the past couple months. But this is Chad Belding again with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. And I'm sitting here with Mr. Chad Ward. He hails from the state of Florida. He's a professional pit master. He's part of the Traeger outdoor marketing team. He leads up outdoor marketing for Traeger, barbecue marketing. Um, he can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Tyler Stark actually leads up the outdoor and Chad leads up the barbecue portion of it. Um, I want to, when I read, when I read up on you, one of the things that I see is that you have a company called Whiskey Bent Barbecue and you also work full-time for Traeger. And I've never, I've don't, I didn't know that you could become as busy. I know Guy Fieri and, and these guys are just slammed because, and you're on that level. And what does it mean to be award-winning when it says Whiskey Bent Barbecue is award-winning? Does that mean that somebody's eaten something that you and your crew have cooked and given you a blue ribbon? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I, I consider award winning if, you know, you've went out on the contest circuit and, you know, won a grand championship to me. And, and I've been fortunate enough to win seven or eight. Um, Wait, you just said that in passing. I didn't know this. You've won seven or eight grand. Yeah. Grand championships. And, and, and for me, that that's what really means something, because that's when they take the four categories that you cook at a contest, chicken, ribs, pork, butt and brisket. And they add all those scores up and whoever has the highest total, that's the grand champion for the day. And and to me that's that's the the sign of a really solid cook. You can have guys that win in brisket all the time, but don't do so well in another category. But being able to have all four of those categories come together on the same day against some of the best teams in the country, that's what I consider award winning. So I want to make sure I have this right, Chad. You have four segments in a grand championship, mm-hmm. and to win the grand, you have to be you have to accumulate the highest score with all four of them together? No, no, no. So they just take, like, uh, in KCBS, it's a, uh, the most you can get in a category is 180. So let's say you get 178, 176. They add up those points across all four categories. The highest total is and, – and, and we've had some pretty impressive ones. I mean, we, we won a contest. Um, it was a smaller contest, 20, 20 22 teams, but uh, it was three first and a fifth. Um won a 92-team contest uh, with a $10,000 know, grand championship prize and 92 teams, and we finished first. Uh, well, we finished 20th in chicken, uh, first in ribs, third in pork, first in brisket. And that, that, that to me was – and at that point set the, the score – set the standard for the highest score in the history of the Florida Barbecue Association, which at that time was about 16 years old. So – you guys, like a, a judge says, here's the meat. I assume you don't bring your own meat. Do they give you all the same cut that, from the same from the same farm? Is everybody on the same playing field when it starts? No, they are not. Um, what you're told is you you have to do chicken. Uh, most competition teams will do either chicken thighs or chicken legs, and they're going to do organic chicken more than likely because a little better flavor, a little whiter skin, it'll, a little easier to render that fat out. Um, on ribs, it's got to be a pork rib. It can be a baby back rib. It can be a spare rib. It can be a St. Louis rib. Um, a lot of guys are using heritage pork, so like a Duroc or a Berkshire, because it's it's kind of like the Wagyu of pork. It just has more flavor and more marbling. Um, same with pork butt. Pork butt's just got to be a pork butt. Doesn't have to be bone in. Can be bone in or boneless. And then brisket, it, it, it can be whatever you want. It can be point. It can be flatter. It can be a packer brisket. But most guys are cooking packer briskets and. Going back to pork butt, most guys are cooking uh, bone-in pork butts. You, I got to ask this. Um, you know, in competition, is there is it competitive to the point to where 
that people are like smack talking at a barbecue event or is everybody like tight friends and they all party after and that's yeah. just the, the luck of the draw that i mean anybody can win at any given time because there's a lot of a lot of talent i assume yes so to be to be the judge is probably tough you got to have a pretty clean palate and a pretty accurate palate to when it get when you have that many much good food in front of you but i mean do you just walk around and be like yes what's up what's up you know the grand <laughs> or is it like everybody's just tight-knit buddies yeah so everybody's really tight-knit so you know in a bigger contest everybody will come in thursday night have some cocktails kind of cut loose friday everybody preps you know hangs out goes grabs lunch usually or maybe dinner together and then saturday's go time you know some of your meets go on late friday night early saturday morning and uh, your turn-in boxes go in to the judges, so everything's turned in in a nine-by-nine nine box. You get that into the judges. So I, I look at it as we're only competing during that turn-in time period. Once that turn-in time period, you know, that's when everybody starts lying. Oh, man, I didn't have a good cook today, you know. Could have been better. You know, everybody just starts poor-mouthing, you know, having a couple beers or a drink, and then we all go to awards, usually you're five, about 5 o'clock. And you're cheering your buddies on, man. That there, You know, there's times where if I've mentored a team – I'm more excited to watch them win a grand championship than me because it's the first time they've got to walk that stage in that way. And uh, it means a lot to me. And so uh, usually depending on how far away it is, for me, if it's more than two hours away, um, I stay the night, Saturday night. And um, there's kind of a tradition, at least in Florida, and that is uh, if you win the grand championship, you buy pizza for everybody. So you buy, you know, depending on how big the contest is, you know, 10, 15 boxes of pizza, and everybody gets together, has a drink, and uh, enjoys pizza. So... You have all the best barbecue champions in the country in the same general vicinity, and you buy pizza. Yeah, hey, believe you're me. just tired of barbecue by that time. Yeah, after cooking it and smelling it and prepping it for 24 hours, you're like, man, anything but barbecue. Anything but barbecue. Yes, sir. So you you said something, you know, in your in your last little statement there about presentation box. You just throw it in a in a in a in a cardboard box and turn it in, or is it, is it is presentation key in this? Yeah. So the way the way scoring goes, you're scored on three criterias. Um, presentation, taste, and tenderness. Presentation is 18% of your score. Tenderness is 41% of your score. Taste is 41% of your score. So while appearance is the lowest one, man, in, in this day and age where there's so many teams, you, you, you don't leave any points on the, on the table. And when you're, when you're talking about, you know, the, the ability to present this food, and I t- this is where I like – as a cook or as a wannabe cook or, and you, you've given me some compliments lately, but I take, I'm starting to take a lot more pride in the presentation part of it. The garnishes or the way that I serve it. Even when I'm cooking the crew here, lunch or breakfast or something, I don't necessarily need them to be wowed by it, but it makes me feel like I care more about the food instead of just slopping an omelet with broken up. I want to try to be a little bit more of a perfectionist. And I try to apply that in duck hunting and parenting and everything that I do. And nobody's perfect, but presentation with food is awesome. And when I hear guys, when I watch guys like Guy or watch some of your stuff, you got a a web-based show called In the Pit you you really have a you have to have a love for this because if you don't have passion for anything that you do in life it's not going to be good it's not going to be fun to do and you're not going to put much into it with cooking you're you don't want somebody to go that sucks so you got to take this extra precaution right yeah yeah and and to me the thing i always remember when it comes to the appearance of food whether it be barbecue wild game whatever it may be people eat with their eyes first but before they taste it before they look at it Based on how it looks, they've already made some type of judgment. So you would rather that judgment be on your side, and then when they taste it, you just affirm, damn, not that it just look good, 
Freaking taste. That's what good. I'm talking about. That's a great way to put it. Because you just like, and I'm I, like, we went to breakfast and we, all of us, I ordered an omelet. And when I ordered it, every single person at the table this morning says, make that one, make that two, make that three, make that four, make that five. They loved what I said because mm-hmm. I was trying to be creative. Okay. I was trying to think outside the box. That wasn't the normal omelet. I wanted it to be healthy with egg whites. I wanted it to be a lot vegetable heavy with a tiny bit of ham, but I was thinking outside the box of not just your regular Denver omelet or whatever. Right. Yep. In cooking, and what I've experienced in my cooking is that recipes are tough for me, okay? I don't follow guidelines. Like when my mom would cook Italian, she didn't follow like stern guidelines. It's yep. a pinch of this, a pinch of that, da 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 um, Are you the same way? When you teach, do, do your students, is protocol to follow guidelines or do you say, hey, be creative, think outside the box. It's an, You're an artist up there. You're throwing paint against the wall. Yep. Is that how it is? To, to me, when, when I teach classes or, or I mentor people, I try to teach techniques and my reason behind why I do certain things. Um, that way, if you want to cook a little bit lower temp than me or a little bit higher temp than me, um, you want to have your product a little bit smokier than I do mine, I've taught you how to do that. Um, the other thing is, I mean, for me, it's hard, especially when it comes to rubbing sauces to say two ounces, two and a half ounces, three ounces. No. A general, you know, a, a nice liberal coating of rub. You know what I mean? And 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 being able to show visually, here's what I consider to be a nice liberal coating, you know? And when when you start talking about rubs, rub, what is a rub? I just, I, I want to step out here for a second. A rub isn't like garlic. You can't just take garlic salt and do what you do with rub, right? What is the difference between a seasoning and a rub? So a, a seasoning to me is the actual individual component. You know, so garlic powder, uh, salt, pepper. The individual component is the seasoning. When you combine those to create a unique flavor, that to me is a rub. So a rub can have salt in it? Absolutely. So you do have to be careful with the rub then because you don't want to be too salt heavy on anything. No, I, I always look in, um, if if the first ingredient in a rub is salt, and I, I'm really, really light-handed with it. I got a story about that. I had I picked up the wrong thing. I was thinking I was picking up a rub one day, but I picked up a seasoning salt. I put it on the steaks like it was a rub. And my uncle Lavore took the first bite and spit it out and said, What in the you know, insert word here yeah. is this? And I'm like, Oh gosh. I mean, it was literally like so I'm holding in my hand the beef rub by Traeger. Yep. Eight point two five ounces in this little tin. Yep. Regular size brisket, you cut the cap off. How many ounces of meat is a regular size brisket usually? Um, I would say your average brisket, after you get the fat off of it, you know, that you're not going to use, I would say is anywhere 10 to 12 pounds. Okay, 10 to 12 pounds of meat that mm-hmm. you're going to cook. 8.25 ounces of beef rub for that brisket. How much of this tin would I use on that? If I coat it in both sides, is this tin empty when I'm done? Well, I'm going to tell you that there's no reason to coat the fat side because once that oil gets hot, it, the rub's just going to slide off. So I would just really season the sides and the top, and I would probably be between a third to a half of that container. A third to a half of it. Mm-hmm. So 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 two and a half to four ounces. Okay. So if everybody's listening, then you, we just learned something because when you take a brisket out, I've always been taught to skim, you know, get some of the fat off that cap, you know, get it down to where you can see some of the marbling and where the meat starts. Am I right in doing that, or do you even have to worry about the cap? I, 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 the only time I trim the cap, because on the Traeger, I'm going to cook fat side down. And the reason I'm going to cook fat side down is our fire starts underneath the meat, right? 
we got the fire pot there, we got the drip pan there. Well, over time, that drip pan starts accumulating heat. So, you know, with a trigger, we cook with convection, but we have that radiant heat coming up from the drip pan. So I use the fat cap as a protection layer between the meat that I care about and the heat source. So the only time I trim the bottom of it is, I like my brisket to be really even when it cooks. So if it's really low on one side and really high on another, I'll trim that fat off the bottom of the high side to get it to level out so it cooks even. So that's what you were doing in Iowa. You were actually having meaning in your knifing. Yeah. You were evening it out. Yep. So here we go again of lessons learned, tips and techniques learned. This is stuff that if you just do that simple thing right there, you're going to have a more consistent brisket. Because here's my deal with brisket. And you tell me if I'm wrong. Brisket can suck. Yeah. Brisket's easy to screw up if you don't take pride in it. I've had some really, really, really bad brisket. You told me something, and I want you to explain this. When I'm a judge and you come and you serve me, or the judge picks your piece of brisket up out of your presentation dish, is it supposed to be limp over my finger? Or yeah. it's supposed to just lay over my finger and both sides drop down. Nobody can see me right now, but it drops down. It looks like a wet noodle, right? Yep. But but you don't want it to break. If it breaks when you do that, it's overcooked. If it won't fall around your hand and it just kind of sits up there, it's undercooked. Undercooked. So when you trim that cap and you even it out, now you wake up in the morning and you have it ready. You got it all rubbed, what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Rub on the meat side only. You don't really need to worry about the cap. You're going to trim the cap down if you need to to even it out. You're going to use that cap as a protection layer between the flame and the heat, the heat that's going to get on that drip tray sooner or later during that cook time. And then that, that protection level of that cap is going to do what? Now, what is that convection? I want you to explain convection and how a 12 piece, a 12 pound piece of brisket meat can come out absolutely beautiful and delicious the way you prepare it without even opening the lid again. What happens in that process? So, so honestly, when, when I cook a brisket on the Traeger, whether it be the pro series, whether it be the Timberline, uh, I'm going to start out at 225 and, and starting out at 225, I'm just wanting to develop, you know, the, the one little simple principle is the, the lower the heat, the more bark you're going to get. And so bark is really just created that, that crunch on top of the meat and bark's created just between the reaction of meat and smoke and moisture. So I started at 225. So I get a little bit more bark and I've got my, my, uh, thermometer already in my, already in my brisket. So I don't even have to open the pit. Once I see that thermometer get up to 165 internal, which on a 10 to 12 pounder is going to probably be four or five hours, I'm going to wrap it in foil. Once I wrap it in foil, um, what's happened at that point, once a, once any piece of meat hits 165, it's not going to pick up any more smoke. All you're doing now is just drying it out. So I want to get that in an aluminum foil wrap so that now I can kind of expedite that process. Also, I'm going to take some of the au jus if I have it, or a little bit of low-sodium beef broth, put in with that wrap to kind of help the braising process. And then uh, let's just assume we're cooking like a prime brisket, a prime grade. I'm going to start looking at about 199 to 203 degrees internal um, to see if it's done or not. And when I consider a brisket done is when I slide my temp probe in it, and it slides in really nicely, has just a little bit of resistance in the middle, and the reason I want that little bit of resistance in the middle is because it's going to carry over cook another two to four degrees once we pull it off the Traeger. Because you, you've got all that heat on that brisket, it's going to take it, you know, 20, 30 minutes to cool down 
But while that cool down's going on, it's still going to cook a couple more degrees. So when you say cool down, you take it off the Traeger and unwrap it? Yes, I unwrap the foil and let all the steam come off of it. Well, once all the steams came off of it, I'll take it, wrap it back up, and put it in a cooler to rest. So when you pull that brisket off of the off of the Traeger, out of your pit, whether you're serving it to a judge or to me and a bunch of crew at duck camp, how long is that cooling process and that... And, and I assume that the foil and what you're doing with that foil real quick is that the juices are going to stay in there. It's going to cook in its own juices because you say it continues to cook. Why do you have to take the original foil off when it comes off the grill, first of all? Um, I don't even take the original foil off. I just open the original foil up. Because, we're, you know, some pla- a place where some rookies make a mistake is they'll actually pull it right off the pit and put it in their cooler. Well, dude, you're just going to continue to cook it. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, you you take a super hot brisket with a bunch of te- steam inside of it and put it in an insulated cooler, it's going to keep rolling, man. So you've got to open up that original foil and let all that steam come off the brisket and then close it back up and rest it. So I will usually let it um, rest on the table, opened up for probably about 30 minutes. Um, once again, just looking for all the steam to come off of it. And then at that point, you know, I close it back up and I can put it in an insulated cooler or I can put it in a, uh, a what we call a Cambro, which is kind of a full food holding unit. And, and I'm fine with holding it. And I've, hold, I've held briskets at contests four or five hours. Really? Yeah. Four or five hours before you present it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, in that four to five hours, are your nerves through the roof or you just got so much confidence in what you just did yeah. that nothing's, nothing's going to spark you at all? Yeah, no, no, not at all. I mean, I, I've turned in a brisket before that, rested eight hours in one with it so yeah the only thing i find is if you if you're resting it that long the one thing you need to make sure of is that you go over and open that cooler about every hour and a half or two hours let some of that steam out so you don't end up building a cook chamber cook chamber so you you, the steam is just like being in a sauna you're cooking in there really you Mm -hmm. you know what a sauna does to the human body is what it's doing to that meat. And yep. then sooner or later it's going to dry out because the moisture is going to run out. Exactly. Right. So when, when you, when you, t- when you're talking about beef, is this pretty much across the board to a pork butt in pork? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's honestly exactly the same. Really? Yeah. So when, when you yourself personally grab a pork butt um, and you know, pork butts usually 90% going to turn into pulled pork sandwiches. Is that usually what a pork butt turns into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, competition-wise, we turn it in uh, three ways. There's usually a, a bed of pulled pork on the bottom. And then if you ever look at a pork butt, um, when you look at the bone side, go to the other side. And you'll notice that's what we call the money muscle in competition barbecue. Um, but it looks like a little baby tenderloin, pork tenderloin. And so what we do is we really baby that and cook it. Still attached to the pork butt, I usually pull the money muscle at about 192 to 194 degrees. I'll cut it off the whole butt, wrap it in saran wrap, and actually put it in my cooler and my cambro to rest, and then cook the rest of the butt to 200 degrees. And so in the box, what you'll have is pulled on the bottom, you take that money muscle, you cut it up into these really nice medallions, and then right above the fat cap on pork, they're what we call tubes. They're these muscular tubes that run through the pork butt. And, man, if you can cook those perfect, they are delicious. The so, tubes are? Yeah. Really? So you're cooking muscle? Yeah. And it's not, it's not, it's tender enough to eat? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to find a couple for you today when we pull those pork butts apart and let you taste them because they're, uh, they're delicious. 
So when you when you say when we pull these pork butts today, you know we 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 got five grills going today with brisket and pork. Why why does a guy like me have? Okay, uh, let me let me phrase this the way that I want to. You have a guy that thinks he can cook, right? And he's maybe made a few dishes on his Traegers that taste good because I uh, really it's hard to mess up things like chicken on a Traeger, in my opinion. At least that's what I tell people, but mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that you can. When you open those lids today and you see what I did this morning, do you do you look at it as a victory that somebody's learning through this brand Traeger? Or do you look at it as, you know, been there, done that a bunch of times? At this point in your career, are you going to look at what I did today and go, Chad, I'm not being too critical, but you cut too much of this cap off because now I'm sweating. And the reason I'm asking this question, the reason I can't even get it out is because now I'm literally nervous about how bad I screwed this meat up today. Did I put the fat side down? Did I cut the right amount of fat off of the cap? Did did I do everything right to where when Chad Ward opens these, like now I'm thinking of you as a judge in a competition and I don't want to fail. So I think that what's going on in the country right now with Traeger and the branding and the marketing that you guys are doing, and I'm telling you, and you tell me if you're hearing this, you're going to meet a guy named Jim Ray today. He literally says that his kitchen is spotless. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, we don't use it anymore. Yeah. Are you hearing this a bunch? We're, we're hearing it a lot. And, and a couple of things there. Don't be nervous, man. I've done barbecue triage plenty of times in my life. You know what I mean? It's um. Oh, I like that. It, yeah, it's, that's it's, a show name. <laughs> there you go. That's like bar rescue. Yeah. Bar. <laughs> the cool. uh, yeah, but but to me, you know, it's one of those things. And dude, if I open that thing up, man, and it's perfect, just like I cooked it, dude, I'm gonna be proud as hell of you. You know what I mean? And uh, and if hey, and if there's something there that that we can do as a lesson learned, we're gonna do it as a lesson learned. You know what I mean? So to me, I look at it as every time you cook, you learn something. Either. You either learn, damn, man, that's a good recipe, and I nailed it again, or, shoot, I'm going to try to tweak this time, or I'm going to try to tweak this rub, or I'm going to try to add a little more salt or a little more sweet. So, I mean, you always learn something from every cook. Um, that That's the way I feel about it. But, you know, what people are saying in their backyard, you hit on one where you said, man, it's really hard to mess up chicken on a Traeger. I completely agree. You know, I mean, and the, I think that's the reason, the, the, the simplest reason people fall in love with it is one, they're cooking over wood and they're getting wood flavor. And two, everybody in their life has ate a dry-ass chicken breast off a gas grill. You know, dude, there there was a time in my life, man, where I thought chicken breast, the purpose of it, grilled, was just to carry barbecue sauce to your mouth. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, I mean, it was, it was, it's just crazy, right? So, you know, we, and when we actually tell people, like at Costco, somebody goes into Costco and buys a Traeger, we give them a, a bottle of, of chicken rub, and we say, hey, do the chicken challenge when you get home tonight. Literally, the chicken challenge is take while you're there at Costco, grab you a two-pack of, of uh, whole chickens, go home, build your Traeger, burn it in real quick, a little bit of chicken rub on the whole chickens, throw them on the grill on high for one hour. Don't, don't look at it. Don't temp probe it. Don't nothing. You pull it off, man, it's that moist, juicy, delicious chicken. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. And that's why I said it's and, and when Jim says that that I don't Julie and I, his wife Julie, he two things he said is that before with the grill, you know, with your charcoal or your briquettes or whatever you were doing with gas or what you know, whatever. He's like, Julie didn't want to mess with it. She didn't want to go turn it on for me. She didn't want to go set the temperature. It was she scary, it was, it was messy. Scary. Yeah. And now he's like, I'll call her, say, hey, I'm home fifteen minutes, pop it on. 
boom, it gets smoke going, it gets warmed yep. up. And then, and then, and then on top of that, he's like, we don't use our kitchen anymore. And I, and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he's like, our, our kitchen's spotless all the time because we don't cook in here anymore. Meaning that he's doing his asparagus and his Brussels sprouts and his desserts and his pizzas and his meats and his fishes and every single thing that his, he feeds his two kids and his wife on a nightly basis. And this guy, this cat takes a lot of pride mm -hmm. in what he cooks, right? This yep. dude can throw down. I mean, he's, he's culinary, he's fine culinary man. And, um, I'm pretty envious of the way he is because he's really mellow about it. And he's really nonchalant to where I'm more of like, wow, look what I just did. He's just like, ah, just another day. His lamb chops are impeccable, right? Um, he might have a couple adult beverages while he's doing it and he might slur a few words by the end of it, but every single time from presentation to the aftertaste is dead on perfect. And I asked him, I said, why are you starting to put hashtag Traeger and, and copy the foul life TV? And because it's prideful, man, it's, yeah. we're becoming providers again. Yep. And it's like this whole country is like that this Traeger revolution of what I call it is also the evolution of man, in my opinion, I'm not trying to make it all drama. I'm trying to say that if you want to feel good about something, instead of popping open a TV dinner or a frozen burrito, or just putting on a little skillet with some grease in the bottom of it and frying up, you know, frying up a, a skirt steak or something. I, I can't tell you the pride I have when I open that lid and take the meat off of there and serve it. You know, and it's not just the meat, man. It's the whole meal. You know, I mean, exactly. I, I mean, we've done it before together, the sides, the desserts. I mean, you can do it all there. I mean, when you're cooking with that convection and you're cooking over wood, the sky's the limit. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier about, you know, the, the, the kind of the trigger revolution. And what I love about it's two things. One, man, I, I probably get, if I'm wearing a trigger hat or shirt or somebody recognizes me, if I'm traveling all week, probably half a dozen people will stop me and say, you know what I love about my trigger, man? It's brought my family back together. Like, like we actually on Friday nights or Saturdays or Sundays, we all get together out by the trigger and we cook, we cook lunch together or we cook dinner together. Then we sit down and eat together. And, and I think that's a great story. And the other one is, you know, if you look at Jeremy and Denny, you know, Jeremy being the CEO that kind of, kind of led, um, you know, him and, and the venture capital company purchasing Traeger four and a half, five years ago. The reason Jeremy did due diligence on Traeger was he said, I've, I've been in the consumer products game my whole life. He said, when we were doing focus groups and interviews, I've never heard people say a consumer product changed my life. You know, they, they came from the headphone business. Nobody, how, how cool. Yeah. Headphones aren't going to change. Yeah, that. But, but he goes, it's the first time I'd been in a, you know, consumer product business where somebody said, dude, this, this product changed my life. He goes, and not just once you heard it over and over and over. It's so funny to hear. It's not funny. I take, I don't mean that I'm saying like, Think about what the brand is doing. And people are like, man, Traeger's a huge sponsor of you. And you guys are. It's a huge partnership. And it's so humbling to have it. And people are like, every time I go to your stories or your or your you know, your Instagram or your Facebook, it's Traeger this and Traeger that. And I'm like, dude, it's impossible not to mess with it, yeah. right? It's impossible not to be prideful of this relationship. It's impossible not to want to go out and cook eggs. And I and I mean I'd love to, I can't wait to get into some of these different breakfast recipes with you, but Bringing families back together. Drake White, a good buddy of our singer-songwriter mm -hmm. in Nashville, just come out with his new EP called Pieces. And he has a line in a song on his first album, um, Spark, that's called Back to Free. And he has a line in there that's about this family. And they're laying in their lazy boys and their lazy chairs. And they're in their house. And nobody's talking, but we're all on our phone. Okay? 
when you're around a Traeger, it's a social outlet. It's a social media. It's yeah. a social network, right? And it is because it's brought people back together of like, I can't remember the last time Jim Ray and I had a cookout and we've had 10 of them in the last three months, right? Yep. Because the Traeger. And then on top of the grill, now you start adding all this sh- stuff in yeah. and you're like, dude, the brand is insane. So you have all these rubs, you have these sauces and, and you started talking about rubs and sauces. A lot of people think that when you see commercial stuff go, that this stuff over here that's still in the guy's garage that he's making is automatically better because it hasn't went commercial. It's not the case with this stuff, right? No, it's not. You Just know. like Tabasco hot sauce is badass hot sauce, yep. and it's the big. It's probably the biggest in the country. And I'm not trying to cut you off, but when you open these, there's a lot of love that went into designing these. And I know that you're part of the uh, of the recipes for a lot of the rubs and sauces. Am I right to say that these are custom sauces that are so well received that you have no choice but to bottle them like this? I, I, you are absolutely correct, Chad. the The thing I can tell you is, and, and I'll be completely honest with you, back. You know, when, you know, the company had just gotten acquired and we were working on things that that meant more. You know, how do we product roadmap our grills? How do we how do we evolve? How do we do these things? But one of the things like a lot of brands do, man, was they would just go to some packer and say, hey, man, what do you got that says chicken rub that I can slap a brand on? I can tell you right now, this whole new line of products with the new bottles, the new uh, the new metal shakers. You don't want to know how much sauce and rub I had to taste to help contribute to the team on what we thought about each one of them. But every one of these has went through a significant R&D process. And we're continuing to add onesies here, twosies here, and every one of those is going through that significant R&D process. And, And it's not just the rub and sauces. It's the same way with accessories. We now have accessories that no other brand has. And that's because we took the time, the effort, the R&D to go out and create it. We just didn't go say, hey, show me your line book and let me pick out 15 to slap my brand on. You know, we, we, we take more pride in the brand now um, than to do that. And what's pissing a lot of people off, quite frankly, to tell you the truth, Ward, is y'all y'all sell it in too small of containers. Yeah. You know, I've, I don't know how many people come up to me and go, two days, right? Two days and da 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 And then they're like, why can't we get this in a freaking yep. two, in, a, in a gallon tub? And, 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 and what I love about it is that when I walk into the headquarters in Salt Lake city, and when I walk into the store and see how uniform everything is and the, and the passion and the, in the creativity and the innovation that's gone into everything from hang tags to packaging, to color schemes, to making you feel like you're part of something when you're out in your backyard and that is exactly what Traeger is doing to backyards all over the country. It's that it's putting that vibe back in to what we used to think, hey, this is my nest. And then all of a sudden we're in a hurry and mm-hmm. we got our jobs and we got our soccer games and we got our social media. We got to get so many likes on a picture. We better get to Starbucks. We better get to the gym. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got, well, hey, you know how much shit's, I mean, how much stuff is happening in backyards again yes. because of this revolution. And if I, I talk with it, a, 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 a lot of passion with me is because I'm experiencing it. I love walking out my back door and taking everything just from the covers, taking the cool covers off of the grill. And, and, and it's like a reveal. And I'm like, wow, it's almost like you're in your, you're in your dojo. Like, Hey, let's go. Let's yeah. get it rolling. Yeah. And it's like, you, you, you turn it on and I look out the, the window and I see that smoke coming out of this, out of the smokestack. And I'm like, it's go time. And, and then I'm, and then I'm like, wonder what I'm going to do today. I, yeah. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to throw some cast iron on there. And what lo and behold, 
Traeger's got cast iron, flats, yep. Skittles. I mean, griddles. I mean, everything. I said Skittles. Griddles, <laughs> Skittles. Cast iron Skittles would hurt your teeth. That, that, would, that would be pretty <laughs> – and it'd be hell to clean up. <laughs> but, hey, I want to talk about this some more. I got so much to get in with you about. Chad Ward, Whiskey Bent Barbecue, Traeger Pro Team, Barbecue Marketing, Brick and mortar stores in Florida, franchising now with Whiskey Bent Barbecue, the absolute man when it comes to throwing down and keep you laughing around a grill, which is a huge part of it to me. If you're boring ass and I want to be around you, I cooked with Doug in Arkansas. Awesome dude. Then I meet you and I'm like, awesome dude. Traeger just, is just not messing up anywhere. They're, who's ever running their human resources is doing something right, you know? So kudos to that guy. But we got an Instagram live kicking off right now. Um, I know that you've been promoting it. We've been promoting it here at the Foul Life. Tyler at Corporate's been promoting it through Traeger. I'm actually doing a takeover tomorrow for the Traeger yeah. Outdoors Instagram page. And I'm excited that a bunch of the content you and I are going to get today and tomorrow is going to be worldwide. And dude, we got to talk about Traeger Day tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we've got you taking over on the outdoors. We got Benny Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Barbecue, taking over on the barbecue side. To me, man, it's amazing. Like we came up with, hey, we just needed a day to try, like, celebrate Traeger. And, and where it's at in May, it's kind of the big, you know, people say grilling season. Grilling season for me, especially being a Floridian, it's three three sixty five. I'm um, jealous. <laughs> I love Florida. But uh, but you know, to me, just the way people are already just embracing it, and, like. Can't wait for tomorrow to show off what they're going to be cooking on their Traeger. And How cool is that? Yeah, everybody here watching on Instagram, dude. I mean, get get out there. Enjoy it, man. Just post, 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 whether it's your stories, whether it's your static page. Um, and I'll tell you what, as a brand, anybody in marketing is all hands on deck. We're going to try to share as much content as our community puts out there through our Traeger barbecue stories, through our Traeger outdoor stories, through our Traeger Girls main account stories. So we, we want to not only see what you're doing, but then we're going to help share it across the community also. It's and here's be, why that's important. Awesome. Here's why that's important. You said two words during that, Benny Kendrick. Benny Kendrick, I don't know him. Never met him. I could pick him out of a lineup, but barely. Yeah. The dude looks like uh, the lead singer of Suicidal Tendencies. He looks like a badass, right? Mm -hmm. He's got so much love and passion in his game right now, in his backyard, and in his in what he does with his friends and family. Um, he's even, you know, he's got a brand now, and he's got T-shirts, and he's got stickers, and he's handing them out, and he's selling them. Just came out with a rub. And he's got a new rub. And here's what's more important about it, is that we talked about families coming back together. Well, he was facing adversity. He was facing down times in his life. He was facing to the point to where he didn't really want to be around anybody. He admits it. He's open about it. I follow him and I don't follow a lot of people. I don't pay attention to a lot of the people that I, I probably should just because I don't really, I don't know if I don't care, Chad, but I don't want to get caught up so much in social media that it just consumes me. Right. Yep. But his story consumes me a little bit because a consumer product has brought this man into a, a part of his life to where he feels like he's somebody again. Toby Keith sang a song, let's get drunk and be somebody. Well, this guy, let's get on the Traeger and be somebody. That's a great analogy. You know what I'm saying? And he's somebody and he feels good and he's socializing again and he's talking and he's, he's proud of what he's doing and he's freaking awesome at it. He's talented. Dude, he was doing something the other day with some carne asada. Yeah. Dude, that was badass. Bro, did you see that lobster claw? He yeah, did that the, other lobster, day? the lobster claw. That thing took up like the whole cutting board <laughs> on top of the timber line. It was, I mean, that was dope, man. Yeah. So my 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 hat's off to a guy like Kendrick and Kendrick Barbecue. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to run with him. And look at what opportunities it's bringing. He's going to Marky Mark and cooking with Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark, good vibrations. Are you kidding me? The freaking dude's a I love Marky Mark. I like Marky Mark in the Funky Bench a little bit more than I like Mark Wall. I love Mark Wahlberg, but I'm a Mark, I'm a Funky Bunch dude, right? I just I just dude. taps into our our age, man. That, that, you that, know what yeah. I'm saying? You know, and and 
for Benny to be able to, for Kendrick to be able to wake up and say, hey, where are you going, honey? Oh, I'm just going over to hang with Marky Mark and, yeah. and, and set up a, a Traeger Timberline for him and throw down on some grill. You know, that's what Traeger's doing. And kudos to him. I hope he hears this. Maybe you can say, hey, listen. I'm sure does. Because you know what I'm saying is that he needs to understand that people are seeing his love and passion, and that's what we need more of, and that's what Traeger's supplying. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, I completely agree. Me and Benny were talking yesterday about um, some really positive things coming up for him in the future with the brand. And, you know, he said, Chad, he said, you realize, you know, when you started the – you know, as the bar the director of barbecue marketing, he said, I think I was at like eighteen thousand followers. He said, and you know, he was in less than two years, man. I'm up over I don't know where he's at today, 110, 115. But but what I love about Benny is he he's the embodiment to me of what tomorrow and every day is as far as Traeger Day. It is that king or queen of the cul-de-sac. It's that backyard hero, it's that person that finds inspiration it's that person that finds inspiration from being able to go out and cook. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another a cool story that we're kind of working with right now is I'm working with a group on people that have had traumatic brain issues, whether it be our soldiers, whether it be uh, NFL football players. I'm working with a guy right now in Denver, uh, a guy named Ryan Miller. He, uh, NFL player, something crazy, man, six, seven concussions. And, and Ryan tells a story, and Ryan said, man, there were some times that, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to wake up in the morning. He said, my buddy Spencer invites me over to his house. You know, he wants to kind of get me out of this funk. He said, and we sat down in front of a Traeger, and we cooked a pork butt. He said, at eight hours later, for the first time since I stepped off that football field, I felt a sense of accomplishment. I felt a sense of worth. I had taken something, I had put it on this grill, and I was now going to provide food and dinner to my friends and family. And I'm sitting there going, dude, that's powerful. So so me and Ryan, you know, Traeger and Ryan and I are working together to uh, put together some classes uh, up there as a test model in the Denver area for some people that are suffering from, you know, traumatic brain injury, you know, and uh, and try to give them that that sense of, you know, give, give them that little bit of sense of ownership and, and get a little bit of self, you know, self-esteem back by uh, going out and cooking on a Traeger. Man, I'm just thinking out loud, you know, with, with what – I've seen with organizations like Freedom Hunters and the hunts that yeah. we've been able to participate in with our veterans and our warriors that fight for our freedoms every day overseas. And I've always said this is that when, when they get in the duck blind with us and I see the look on their face, they've been through hell and back and there again and back again. And it's so therapeutic for them to see those ducks and that wet dog and hear that duck call and raise that gun to their shoulder and eat the food and have the camaraderie and the laughs and the memories and the photos being taken Traeger is therapy and we can do more with groups like Freedom Hunter and Wounded Warriors and all of these groups of being able to get our veterans and guys like this that are facing adversity with a brain injury um, therapy. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden their their minds off of it and they're being creative and they're and they're and they're being able to serve something like you're saying. And 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 with the Facebook Live, I know that we're gonna get a lot of questions on this and they're coming in. Tom's giving me the questions and I, I'm just going to be short of them because there's a ton of them. Sure. I'm not going to be able to say a lot of names, but I hope that we answer them all. The first one is, Chad, I've heard you talk about a reverse sear. Now, to Chad Ward, I've, I think they meant me talking about it. What is a reverse sear? So the first thing I'm going to tell you about the reverse sear is I did not create it, but 
one of the coolest parts of my barbecue life was when Joe Rogan referred to the reverse sear as the Chad Ward method. <laughs> that was pretty cool. But but reverse sear is really almost like a redneck sous vide. So when you sous vide something, you you slowly bring it up in temperature, then you cut it out of that bag and you usually sear it off. We're doing the same thing, but we're doing it with a Traeger. So let's take an inch and a half ribeye. I just did a pile up in the last two nights at our shop classes. Inch and a half ribeye, we're going to season it up. We're going to have our Traeger at 225. We're going to put it on there probably about 45 minutes to an hour um, until it hits an internal temperature of 120. We're going to pull the one or two steaks off. We're going to just tin them with foil on a plate. Then we're going to crank our Traeger all the way up to high, so 450 on a Pro Series, 500 on a Timberline. Once it gets there, let's give it you know two, three minutes to get hot. Let those grates be really hot. And then we're going to sear it off for about two and a half to three minutes each side. Me, I'm a medium rare guy. I'm going to try to pull it off around 132 degrees, pull it off at 132, and it's going to carry over cook to about 135, 136. And the reason I like that is we're slowly opening up those muscle fibers during that kind of 225 process, where if you think about, you know, the, the guy that tried to say, hey, let's sear in the juices, that doesn't work for me. We're going to pull a steak out. It's, you know, 35, 36 degrees. We're going to season it. Now we're going to throw it on a six, 700 degree fire. When you do that, it shocks the meat. And the way that you know that is if you've ever done one of those four-minute-each-side sears on a steak, when you cut it open, you'll see this gray ring all the way around the outside. That gray ring's the cellular structure you destroyed by throwing a really cold piece of meat on that high heat. Really? Mm-hmm. So you just literally broke down scientifically what a reverse sear is. I would have just said it's the best way to cook a steak. <laughs> I mean, the best well, I, way, the I, best I, best meat I've ever I pre- I appreciate your contribution on that building. <laughs> Let, let me let, hear, let, let me go all mad scientist and you go, man, that's pretty damn good way to cook steak. <laughs> it's like, that's unbelievable. Next question coming in is, what is a chicken throne and why? So a chicken throne allows you to, so a chicken throne is a way that you can take, and it's almost like a beer can chicken. So you can take the chicken throne, you can put a little bit of uh, moisture, or a little bit of liquid inside the chicken throne and then stand the bird up in the throne. A couple of things there. You're going to get some evaporation from the liquid which will give you a little bit of flavor in the meat and in the cavity. The other thing is because that bird's now standing up, it's going to cook more evenly. Awesome question coming in. I want to say this guy's name because this kind of pertains to um, what we're, what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. We brought up the world Turkey championships. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Johnson 12 says bag the wild Turkey. Last time I smoked one wild hickory. What's your advice for a good rub or a marinade? Okay, so I will tell you, I have not done any, I've done wild turkey pieces. I've never done a whole wild turkey. I think the legs are just terrible because by the time you break down all the cartilage and tendons, um, by the time by the time you do that, uh, the meat's already dried out. So when I talk about turkey, I'm going to talk about turkey breast. Um, you can do a real simple, uh, simple brine um, or an injection. What I find, man, if it's a good, fresh turkey breast, I do a little bit of, you got it right there, the big game rub. Yep. A little bit of big game rub. I set my Traeger at 275. I cook it 45 minutes. It's usually, I, I'm using 45 minutes as a, as a benchmark, but what I'm really looking for is 155 in that turkey breast. Always remember with poultry, everybody feels like it's got to be 165 to be done. It does not. Um, poultry, as long as it is at an internal temperature of 145 for up to five minutes, it's just as safe as instantaneously at 165. 
dude, I'm not, I'm not just saying this. I, I was wowed yesterday by Leith and his guitar, and I'm just sitting here going, dude, you're out of your mind, bro. You, t- you, t- you told me on the ride over, I better bring it or I was <laughs> you're, gonna... you're like literally out of your mind. This is unreal, this knowledge you can drop on this. Well, it's thank you. so awesome, bro. Congrats, man. I appreciate it. Um, this, Tom's got a this, – this question just came in real quick, though, and it's in conjunction with that one is, are you only dry rub or do you ever use marinade? Um, you know, to me, I'm not a huge marinade guy unless we're talking about a very thin cut of meat, a skirt steak, something like that. Remember when you marinate something, and I don't even care if you try to marinate it a day, the most you're going to get is about a quarter inch of penetration into that meat. So if you're really wanting to moisturize or add flavor to a meat, you're going to do it through a brine. And I know brine gets thrown around a lot, so let's just talk about brine for a quick second. What a brine is, is it's a salty solution. So it's a salty water with other flavors and aromatics in it. And you drop the meat in it. And once the meat's submerged in it for a period of time, what happens is a process of osmosis. So the salt is going to try to balance out between the water and the meat. And what happens is that salt's a carrier, brings in the flavors to the meat, and it leaves the salt on the outside. That's why if you ever brine, you need to make sure you wash it off really well before you rub it. Um, I do brine. I, I brine my Thanksgiving Day turkey. I'll brine some chickens. Um, but as far as big cuts like pork butts, brisket, I'm going to inject those. And uh, the only thing I can really think off the top of my head that I marinate is skirt steak. Really? Yeah. Because you just, just don't get that much penetration. So when you, you said a quarter inch is the most you're going to get in 24 hours. Yeah. Really? And, and, and the problem is to get that much of it, it's usually a pretty acidic marinade. And if your marinade is too acidic, you'll actually start cooking that meat. All right, I'm reading another question, Chad, and they're coming in, so I'm just trying to keep up with Tom. Let's do it. It's amazing, all of these guys. that Kendrick Barbecue just uh, – no, I take that back. Um, low Loss Kicking Barbecue. Thumbs up, Chad Ward. Yeah, it's Chad Ward. Thumbs – I mean, dude, you are a freaking – oh, here's Kendrick Barbecue. I can listen to Chad Ward all freaking day. Well, hey, Kendrick, you say I can listen to Chad all freaking day hashtag knowledge would you please write back and say which chad you're referring to i'm going to assume it's me right now <laughs> um uh this question is right here why does my barbecue always catch fire when i cook chicken um so one thing i would tell you is make sure that's a you got a good clean pit because you know what i always do is i either use the drip pan liners that we sell or i use aluminum foil and before i cook chicken i make sure that my drip pan liner is is perfect, ready to go. It's all lined up perfectly, so that fat's going to drip right down into the bucket. The other thing I always make sure I do before I cook chicken is I make sure and shop vac out the bottom of my grill and the fire pot and put a fresh handful of pellets in the fire pot. If you do those things, you should not have a problem with catching fire on chicken. Also make sure, and this is something I tell people all the time when they talk about getting a fire, the only reason you're going to get a fire is because of grease. And as long as you make sure that you don't put any meat outside of the, the outline of that drip pan, grease isn't going to get in the bottom of the cooker. But if you start jamming that cooker up and, and you've got you know, really fatty meat on the front or the back of it, on the edge where there's not a drip pan so we can get that convection, and that fat gets down on the bottom of it and you're running at a high temperature, man, we can't help you there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, because that grease is going to get down there in that hot fire and, and it's going to cause a, a flare-up. I mean, naturally, it's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, quite, the tr- but the trigger is designed, if you keep the meat over the drip pan, you will not have a flare-up. And, and that's that innovation again, that design, yeah. that research and development. The next question that just came in that Tom just gave me is, what is your favorite marinade for a deer steak? 
Um, when you talk about marinades and now you're saying that, you know, you're only going to penetrate a quarter of an inch in a 24 hour period at the most, uh, you know what I, I've always used Worcestershire. If yeah. I, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. I love Worcestershire as a base for any wild game. If I am going to use a wet marinade. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then you can go from there if you want to add a little bit of sweet to that. But here's what I've been doing with venison, whitetail or mule deer lately. And I even cooked some coos deer um, probably three weeks ago. The big game rub. Okay. And then the most unfair thing that Traeger's done to me in the last six months is the fins and feather rub. <sighs> Dude. Oh. And it says fins and feathers, but it should say hoof too. I know we got yeah. the big game rub. This rub, this fins and feather is the baddest ash rub I've ever eaten in my life. And I don't know, I, I want you to break it down what it is and what makes it so ideal for wild game. Chad Mendez and I had the conversation because he has a company named fins and feathers, but this rub is legit. So I don't know who's just sent that question in Tom about, about deer steak, but marinade obsolete almost because of the big game rub and the fins and feathers. What is going on with this fins and feathers deal? The fins and feathers, what I like about it, and, and I did a demo here, uh, went and delivered a grill to, to Dabo Sweeney, and we did a demo at the local dealer there. And I used the fins and feather on uh, chick bone and skinless chicken thighs. And what I like about it is, man, it's it's really herby. Um, you know, we, we've got some nice greenery in there, some parsley, some chive. Uh, but then it's also got that little bit of salt and that little bit of savory. I think it's super well-balanced. And when you take something as organic as a fresh harvest – and you're putting those nice aromatic type spices on there, it just works. Aromatic type spices. God, you're lovely. The guy just wrote in and said, um, how do you get the wild game taste out of waterfowl, ducks, or geese, he says, actually. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that people have done in the past, you know, soak them in salt water, soak them in buttermilk overnight. I, a lot of the pride that I've been taking with Traeger I'm in, in, in duck camps and whether we have the cameras rolling or not, is going from the bone to the grill, right? Mm -hmm. I love going from the bone to the grill. Um, so the way that I, the way that I have been doing that, and I'm and I'm trying to make it in the, in the easiest way possible that I that I can do is that blood is everything. So if I see a blood spot on a breast or something where a BB might have caused you know a hemorrhage or something, I get my blade in there and I get all that blood out. And then I take a lot of pride in the washing process and the rinsing process where a lot of people will just go in there and they see a, weather, a feather or whatever, but I'm really putting some pressure with my thumbs and I'm really squeezing on that meat, tenderizing at the same time, breaking down any tendons or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, you know, trying to run across any pellets or BBs that might've got stuck in that breastplate, that breast or that tenderloin after I take it off of the breastplate. So I don't, look at wild game as a wild game taste if you prepare it right out of the field. Meaning, if you kill an antelope in Nevada in August and it's 95 degrees, you don't sit out there and drink four cold beers and let it sit there in the sun, right? Yeah. You get ice on it. You get it off the bone. You get the meat somewhere where it... Because that antelope gets a bad rap, Chad. And I, I, I used to not like it until this guy that you're going to meet here in a couple minutes, Jim Ray, cooked it for me. And it's all about that preparation of that meat once you kill that animal and harvest that animal. With ducks and geese, it's the same thing. And a lot of people say, I, I hang my ducks for three or four days and you can do that. And that does a lot because that lets all of that blood continue with gravity to run out of that meat and it ages that meat a little bit. But the main thing is getting the blood out, breaking down the tendons, and then being creative with a little bit of olive oil. And then these rubs, again, I've started using that fins and feather rub on mallard ducks, rice-fed, corn-fed ducks. 
And it's amazing to what it does. And I, I, I used to have a Ziploc bag with Worcestershire sauce in there and some teriyaki sauce, maybe a little soy sauce, maybe a little olive oil, maybe some seasonings, maybe some Lowry's, maybe a little bit of Montreal steak and see whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And then I would take them out and now I'm all dry rub on wild game and it's, yep. it's awesome. I'm, I'm a lot of that way. Um, you know, the one that I have, and, and you're more of an expert on wild game than I am as far, especially as cleaning it and, and, uh, and resting it. But the one that I've noticed a significant difference is, is letting an elk kind of bleed out. So, you know, John Dudley was nice enough to get me a uh, last time we were together at the uh, hog camp in uh, or deer camp in Oklahoma. He brought me an elk front shoulder and, uh, it, it was about seven, eight days old, but he had had it on ice and his Yeti the whole time. And I thought it was really interesting how that, you know, almost cold aging it, um, really, really, really made the meat so much richer. Dudley knock on bad yeah, badass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Badass. Yeah. Him and his wife. Yep. Not just um, you know, when you meet somebody like, ah, hey, this guy shoots a bow, but if you go and break down his the history of John Dudley and his career and what he's accomplished, absolute maniac with a bow and archery hunting. And and, and what I love great about, instructor. Yeah. I love about that. I love he a, loves to teach. Amazing instructor in a you know, one thing I find, you know, and, and I look at and it's kind of helped motivate me is I love being engaged with the, the community, whether it be the Traeger community, the Whiskey Bank community, people that just want to learn about barbecue. And I take a lot of that from guys like yourself, like Dudley, where we've been given a lot of opportunities, but then being able to pay it forward and give the same from our side, it's pretty awesome. Hashtag Traeger Day just came up. What is there a competition going on? Is Traeger going to award anything or is there yeah. future plans of getting America to send in their videos, send in their photos? Is there, what is going on right now? Because Tom's getting flooded with Traeger day. It's yeah. tomorrow, May yep. 12th, 2018. What can people do? Are they up for a prize or I mean, what's going on here? Explain it to me. Yeah, man, there's going to be a uh, Timberline 1300 up for grabs. And then I don't know if you saw from Meat Madness, but those badass like magnets that we had that you can put on your hopper or on your grill. We've got seven or 800 of those. So we're going to be taking like just kick-ass content that gets posted tomorrow with hashtag Traeger Day. And dude, we're going to hook you up with one of those one of those medals to be able to put on your hopper. So, hey, if you participated in Meat Madness and now you also participate in Traeger Day and you got a badass image, you're going to have two magnets for your hopper, which is going to make you pretty damn cool. Chad Ward, this is the question. Chad Ward, I like the way I cook chicken legs. I put them on the grill. Why would I ever buy a chicken leg rack? Um, they must have saw. They must have saw another one of these accessories that yeah. Traeger's got out there. Um, because I assume. I mean, I've used it. And I love it. it does, the meat doesn't touch the grill. Yep. Why you explain to this guy why he would? Why well, he did, so why so it, it all depends. I mean, I know a lot of people like chicken legs to have a little bit of that smoke and char. And obviously, if you have it in a chicken a leg hanger, you're not going to get that char because you're not going to have that radiant heat, that direct connection to the grate. So I, I think really that chicken leg rack is more for someone that likes a roasted chicken as opposed to a grilled chicken. But, hey, dude, as long as you're Traeger, man, and you like your chicken legs that way, I ain't going to hassle with you over a leg hanger, man. Just keep on Traeger. So would you, would you challenge this guy, though, that you could make a chicken leg taste better off of a rack than he can on a grill? Um, it, it all depends on what flavor profile you want. Like I said, if you, if you like a little bit of that char and a little bit of that, that grilled flavor to it, it's really difficult to do. In a, in a chicken hanging rack, unless you cook in the hanging rack really, really hot and almost kind of crisp that skin um, to kind of give it that. So, um, This question coming in is, who is Meat Church? Oh, man, Meat Church. So, you know, one of our 
one of our new pro staff members, a gentleman by the name of Matt Pittman. Um, we just did, if you want to go over to Traeger Girls Facebook page, we did a, I, actually I was out there last month and we shot a badass video about Matt just going into his background. And uh, Matt's just, man, he's a Central Texas uh, barbecue pit master. Dude is a uh, social media gold, man. Like if, if you go follow Matt, um, his imagery, his content, and what he shares with his community is amazing. Matt's been a good personal friend of mine for years and I uh, could not be happier to have him on Team Traeger. And uh, just keep an eye out. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up with him. Meet Church. Is he Christian or is he the gospel on Traeger? I mean, does anybody understand the name? Um, so actually, if you if you go, I'm, I'm, I hate to hang you on like this, but go over to Facebook and watch the video we did. And Matt talks about his origin into barbecue, the origin of Meat Church. It's really good. It's about a four-minute watch, but it is well, well worth it. Hey, do me a favor real quick, Chad Warden. Give a shout-out to Mike Marino. Huge fan of Chad Ward. Just bought a grill from Traeger and love it. Will you give a shout-out to Mike Marino? Mike Marino, dude, you're the man. Uh, make sure and tag me in some of that content. I want to see whatever what you're putting out there. So tag me at Whiskey Bent BBQ and uh, let me see what you're uh, what you're doing on that new grill, dude. And thanks for the support, dude. Um, all the questions are for you. This is starting to irritate me. Um, he well, this guy says Chad Belling, you are right. There is no wild game taste if you take care of your meat. My buddy Jim Ray just walked in there. You see that guy right there? That's the guy oh, who's that's bragging. The guy. That's the deboner right there. Um, this Kendrick barbecue just said, I don't believe you. And he's just, he's thrown up. But, um, this guy says, how long Chad Ward, would you self brine a chicken, Turkey, etc.? And can you throw in slices of orange or pineapple while brining? So yes, you can throw in oranges and pineapple. Just be careful. Once again, a lot of acid there. If you have too much pineapple or, or too, too much orange, the issue that's going to come up is you're going to start, you're going to start cooking that meat. Um, and you don't want to do that. But what I usually go with on brines is if I'm going to brine turkey or if I'm going to brine chicken whole, um, first I'm going to make a decision. Am I going to spatchcock it or not? If I am going to spatchcock it, which spatchcocking is just taking the backbone out of it. So it cooks a little more evenly. Um, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to spatchcock it before I brine it because now I've got more surface area for that brine to be absorbed in. Um, and then I'm going to go a pound an hour. So if I've got an 18-pound bird that I'm going to do for Thanksgiving, I can brine it up to 18 hours. Just make sure that 18 hours is up, pull it out, rinse it off really well, and uh, you're ready to go. Um, <clears throat> Charles11 says, you are a mentor of mine, Chad. Well, this is starting to irritate me. You are a mentor of mine, Chad Ward. Do you have any mentors in grilling? I do, man. Um, you know, we talk about paying it forward, and I, I got to give a huge shout out um, to the first guy that really took me under his wing. And uh, I call him the godfather of Florida barbecue, gentleman by the name of his real name's Rob Bagby, but he goes by Rub. Rub Bagby, uh, Swamp Boys Barbecue. Rub's been great to me, man. Um, actually, he, st- he just started competing on two Timberlines, which was huge for me when he reached out and said, hey, man, I want to make the move over. Um, so we're super stoked about that. But Rub's just. Uh, you know, a school teacher, a damn great guy, man. And, and what I loved about Rub was, you know, he was a real competition barbecue mentor for me. But here's the deal. If I'd go to Rub and say, hey, Rub, man, my ribs are missing. He would say, okay, well, tell me what you're doing. He wouldn't just lay out, well, hey, Chad, here's how I cook my ribs. He'd say, what are you doing? And I'd walk him through my process. And if let's say there were three things wrong in my process. He'd tell me one. Hey, man, change this and try it. So he never gave, he made me work to get there, 
but I never felt like I was working alone. And you're paying it forward to him. And, you know, and it's awesome to hear you use those words, pay it forward. And, um, this question here is, uh, this guy says, Chad Ward, third date dinner at my pad, please secret recipe for a pork tenderloin to impress the lady. All right, man. So here's what we're going to do. Um, pork tenderloin. So what I would recommend is we're going to start that thing off at 225. We're going to reverse sear this pork tenderloin. So we're going to give it a little bit of smoky and then a little bit of sear. Um, so what I would do is I would rub it down with, um, if you got the big game rub, that's good. If you got fin and feather, um, that's good. Um, I would rub it down nice. Um, if you want a little more brown, you can add just a hair bit of olive oil. I'm not a big olive oil or mustard guy. Um, so I'm literally just going to dry that tenderloin off, rub it down with my rub of choice. And then 225 until it hits about tenderloins cook quick till it hits about 135 degrees. I'm going to pull it off, crank that, crank, crank, crank that Traeger all the way to high. And then I'm going to sear it off probably for about two to two and a half minutes each side. You're looking for a finished temperature of 155. I mean, I hope that that works for you, buddy. Third date. Um, but here's the deal is that I want to know, I want this guy to write back in and see if he, if he's going to take credit for what he's about to serve or if he's going to pay, pay it forward and say, yeah, my boy, Chad Ward just took me up with that. <laughs> Good luck, bro. Good luck. Um, this is coming in right now. And this is a funny question. Cause I'm always talking about this. I talked to Dan Henderson about, it. we got Leith Lofton in the studio music, but do you listen to music when you grill and what, what do you like Chad Ward? You know, man, I do. I feel, I feel like it's kind of part of the ambiance. Um, I'm a country music fan, um, so I listen to some country. I love some old rock. Um, you know, you throw some. You know, you're, you're into a long cook, and you got some ACDC blaring, a uh, little whiskey in your in your hand. It's a great thing. So, um, yeah, I like I like music when I'm grilling. I feel like it just kind of helps helps kind of set the tone. And man, to me, man, music always helps things go by faster. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so if, if you got a big cook ahead of you, it just kind of helps you keep your rhythm. So not me, not really like going faster as in the point that you don't enjoy it, but I get what you're saying yeah. because you, you can't, Keeps you, in a groove. you got that rhythm going and, and, and it, it does help. And I think that's why people, you know, work out to music. Yeah. I think that's why people clean house to music. There's a lot of reasons, but, um, this guy is talking about, this is, this is interesting to me is fish. Can you prepare fish and he says white fish on a traeger absolutely talk to he says how, what's the best way to prepare fish he says halibut but i, yeah. I mean any white fish i would say i'll tell you what uh cook halibut on the on the traeger and the one thing i always make sure with a white fish make sure you start with a clean grate get get that we do we've got a great little accessory out now people are worried all the time about using uh you know steel wool brushes because they're worried about some of that that steel staying back and getting in their food. So we came out with this wooden scraper, and, dude, it cleans the heck out of the grate. Super easy. Um, so what I always do is I always make sure I have a really clean grate and a really well-oiled grate so that that, that halibut will release. And, and what I like is I don't like going too low on the halibut. I am usually uh, rub it down with some fin and feather, and I go 275. And, and when it comes to halibut, man, it's really delicious. So I almost go, like, medium rare to medium. Um, when, when I pull it off. So I want it to barely just begin to start flaking, um, on the, on the corners and then I'm going to pull it off and rest it. Um, 
I'm trying to do too many things here at once and trying to read all these questions coming You're in. You're such an amazing multitasker. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. That's why I'm failing miserably right now. I'm really like getting fed up with, with the way I'm failing because I'm reading questions off of two phones and then Tom's whispering other questions and then Lee's getting them off of that. I, I mean, I don't even know what's going on right now, but this guy, this guy that just, just wrote in is saying, this is back to the competition deal is have you ever judged a competition and have you ever have have you ever judged a competition and have you ever felt that you made the wrong judgment? Um, I've only ever judged two competitions in my life. I, I was one of those like, you know, back when I was younger and got into competition barbecue, I was kind of stubborn, like, I'm gonna learn it as a cook, man. I'm not gonna judge. You know, I, I just I just go in blind. And I got my ass kicked the first couple of contests for being stubborn. I know a lot of people that start out as a KCBS or an FBA judge so they can see behind the scenes, you know, what's What's hitting? What do things look like? What do they taste like? That's super smart. The only two things I've ever judged, I judged a, a small municipality barbecue competition back in Polk County, and then I judged a burger cook-off uh, in San Diego. And after that one, I pretty much hung up my judging hat. This guy turned in a burger. The burger was so-so, had some toppings on it, but then he put a raw piece of cantaloupe under the cheese so you couldn't see it. But when you bit into it, it was this slimy, disgusting <laughs> mess. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm just going to stay on the other side of the the other <laughs> side of the fence and let those judges do what they do. Because, you know, I take for granted because a lot of us top cooks, I mean, we're, we're really, you know, we're turning really good food for a judge to enjoy every time. But, dude, I go back to when I started, man, and I think of some of the flavor profiles, some of the overcooked stuff. I mean, a judge can't look at it and go, Man, that looks like crap. I, I'm going to move on to the next box. They're obligated to taste it. You they know what I mean? So, so you got to eat some mistakes. Um, this guy right here, Jeremy, says Pro 34 or Timberline? Jeremy, man, it, it all depends on your budget. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, um, if you go with the Timberline, you're going to get more feature sets. You're going to get the Wi-Fi. You're going to get the Super Smoke. You're going to get double wall insulated. You know, I don't know if anybody saw my story the other night. I put a brisket on. I needed to cook one overnight for a, a uh, video we were doing. And so I put it on at 205 for 10 and a half hours on a Timberline 1300. And I used exactly four pounds of pellets in 10 and a half hours overnight. Um, that Timberline with that double wall insulation, it just, it really takes care of, of pellets. But I'll tell you what, man, the Pro 34, I, there's, there's still one on my deck. It's a workhorse, man. So I mean, awesome. you can just, you can plow through some food on a Pro 34. So I think you've got to look at the feature sets, determine what you need, what you don't need, but I, you're not going to go wrong with either one of those choices. Jessica says, my husband refuses to use a thermometer. Can he really tell when something is at medium rare without a thermometer? Well, Jessica, it's never too late for divorce. <laughs> um, and, 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 and in all seriousness, one of my top three tips when people ask, how do I become a better cook overnight? The number one one is quit cooking based off of time and start cooking based off of temperature. Every piece of meat, every animal's lived a different life. Chad, you know this. You harvest all kinds of game. Um, you know, some of them have, have worked so hard that they've got three jobs. The other ones have been country club animals. That affects the marbling. That affects the color. That affects all those things. So you don't truly know that that piece of meat's done until you use an instant read thermometer and make sure you're there. When you say instant read thermometer, does Traeger, and this is coming from me, does Traeger offer one? And is there is there 
plans for one to be introduced in the line? I know that there was one for a while, but yep. do you give me what's going on with that? So, so we've got one that we manufactured. It's about a $50 price point, solid little thermometer, uh, does a good job. But then we've also partnered with Thermoworks on their orange classic Thermapen. Um, you can go online. It's only available online, but uh, you can go online under accessories. I believe it's paired with our Traeger Q-Rub, and I think you can get it for sub 90 bucks. Um, I will tell you what, a, a Thermoworks Thermapen is the Cadillac. It is what I have used from when I started cutting my teeth in barbecue till today. Um, they're a great company. They're over there in Spanish Fork, about an hour from our headquarters, and they do a dang fine job. Mike Merlino, who we gave the shout out with about 15 minutes ago, Chad Ward was asking me, what's my favorite way or the best way, in my opinion, to cook a goose? I, I don't know what kind of goose he's referring to. He didn't say it in the question. I like to cook, um, you know, Canada geese with the breasts. I have a lot of different recipes for those, but my favorite goose to cook is a speckle belly, fully plucked and taken care of with the fat and skin all in intact on a chicken throne. Um, Jim Ray stand here again. We did it a couple weeks ago. One bud light in the chicken throne, the rub, the fins and feathers rub, which is like crack, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like drug deals are going to start going on about that stuff, in my opinion. And we just let it sit there. And again, use your temperature gauge and your thermometer and make sure that you cook it. To, you don't want to ever cook waterfowl past raspberry medium rare ever. You don't want to ever liver. You, a lot of waterfowl gets a bad rap, Chad Ward, because people overcook it. It gets that liver, that, that yeah. weird texture to it. And people are like, this is terrible. Well, duck and goose is not terrible. There's a lot of high-end French restaurants, Italian restaurants that serve duck. Yeah. Might be farm-raised duck, but it's duck. It's yeah. got oily meat. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, a wild duck is going to have more oil in it to protect it, to let it travel down the migratory routes to keep it warmer to keep its feathers intact there's a lot of things that go into that makeup but when jim and i did those and, and we've also did, done the deboning that jim's really famous for in this reno area i love deboning geese and jim can throw that down and he may he might get on the microphone here in a minute and give that recipe but the chicken throne is a goose throne it's a mallard duck throne we've put them all on there and they're beautiful sitting up on there you know they got their little arms and they got their little legs and they, and they cook more even oh it's so even and it's perfect and when you cut the meat off of the bone and you cut into the fat and the skin of a wild goose that you called in that you set up the decoy spread that your dog retrieved that you harvested it's something there's something to that and absolutely to do it right and to do it on a traeger and to get that taste and again what you talked about with chicken is the moisture you got to have moisture. And what you said about chicken, just a, a way to carry barbecue sauce to the, to the mouth. Well, you know, it's an ongoing joke in America about ketchup on steak. When somebody cooks the perfect steak, the first thing I ask is, you got any ketchup? And it just pisses them off. Yeah. Well, I don't, well, I hate when people put hot sauce on my waterfowl. I hate when they want to dip it in something. It drives me freaking crazy. And, and I'm not saying to each their own, you know, whatever, but I want it coming off the bone and everybody going, Wow. Not to just make me feel good, but that, to know that it's being edible because I don't want to go out and spend that time hunting and killing stuff if I'm not going to make it edible. Absolutely. And, and there's so much to learn. So Mike Mer Merlino or Marino, I appreciate the question. Hopefully that answer it. Tom, what's next? I got one that just came in. Let me get to it real quick. It was for Chad Ward and it was, um, oh, where is it? Uh, vegetables. What? Give me one, the your favorite way to prepare asparagus. They just heard us talking about asparagus, yep. I assume. Is there, do you have an asparagus recipe and how do you cook it on the grill? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to set my Traeger at 375 degrees. I'm going to hit it with a, a little bit of olive oil just to get it, you know, get it damp. Uh, then I'm going to come over the top of it with some prime rib rub, Traeger prime rib rub. And I'm going to be somewhere around... Uh, 17 to 21 minutes at 375. And I'm going to kind of lay them out across the grate. 
um, so that they cook pretty evenly. They're not stacked up on each other. If you want to cook them a little bit quicker, uh, you can put them on that top rack, and as that heat rises, they'll cook a little bit quicker. Um, but also, too, man, I mean, life's too short for limp asparagus. You know, make, make sure you still – you want it cooked, but make sure it's still got some of that snap to it. That's, that's a good grilled asparagus. I'm going to do something dangerous right now, but I'm getting comments on the Foul Life TV that Whiskey Bent Barbecue – um, Instagram is not live and they're pissed. So you, you want to uh, uh, give your phone to Tom and, and turn it on. And I'm sure that this is going to really just create right. havoc real quick because Chad's way more popular than I am. And this is going to, uh, Chad Ward is now on his phone. He's getting ready to go live. You can see it right there. Whiskey bent barbecue is getting ready to go. IG live right now. Chad Ward, Florida team Traeger professional pit master. And what I found out today, Jim Ray, will you listen to this real quick? He's won eight grand championships in barbecuing eight meaning. And I want you to explain this again. Let's act like a question just came in for everybody joining us on live. What does it take again to win? What are the four segments and what does it take to win a grand championship? It's a chicken, pork ribs, pork butt and brisket. And grand championship is the highest score of all four of those aggregated. So you take the score from each of the four categories Whoever has the highest point total is the grand champion. And you've won this eight times. Yeah. You understand that like there's not many boxers or or champions that can say this. Like it's a legitimate deal because there's a lot more barbecuers in the world than there are b- b- boxers. Yeah, I mean I have got some good friends, you know, like Rub. You know, I was talking about Rub, my mentor. Rub's a fifty time fifty time grand champion winner. Now now Rub's probably cooked, I'm gonna guess, three hundred contests. Um, but dude, I mean, he's a stud. So, I mean, there's a, there's a creme de la creme of guys out there that, that run the road every weekend, 30, 35 weekends a year. And, and those are dudes that have amassed 30, 40, 60, uh, grand championships. So there's guys that have won a ton more than me, but I kind of love the balance of getting to kick off my career as a competition barbecue guy, but now get to do a lot of this cool stuff too. Haley one, one says, Chad, how do I get involved in a Traeger cooking class. So if you go over to TraegerGrills.com, um, if you look up actually at the top bar, we actually have shop class there. Um, and you can go click on that shop class. You can see available dates, who your instructor is going to be, uh, what retailer they're at. And uh, I will tell you, we have gotten such good feedback on this shop class program that we are currently in the works on even more expansion of it. So stay tuned. Keep hitting that website. We've got some some big news coming out. But uh we love the shop class program at Traeger, and we want to continue to grow it. And you cook in a lot of those, correct? I, I, I'll tell you what, Danielle DivaQ does the majority of them. I, She's I, awesome. Yeah, I do about 10, 10 to 12 a year. Um, Including uh, the one you're going to do tonight? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 one's, uh, that one's off. <laughs> um, I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting pulled in another, uh, another direction with your phone. Um, Chad, saw you on Chopped, loved it. Any plans for more TV appearances? Um, you know, I will tell you what, if the, if the people from notional that, that cash chopped want to call me back, um, I would love to go on now because my, my, my thing was when I went on chopped, it was a huge honor. I think they casted 1200 people and they picked 16 of us. And it was the first year they had done grill masters, uh, outside over grills. And what, what I, you know, I, I was only two and a half years into competitive cooking. And at that point I was a very competitive cooking centric person. You know, I, I hadn't cooked a lot of sides. I hadn't cooked a lot of desserts. I hadn't done a lot of that stuff because it really didn't require it. I had focused on 
the four competition meets and try to become as good at those as I could. So I, I enjoyed Chopped. I thought it was awesome. Um, I love that. I, I also, I mean, there's some other opportunities out there that we'll see what happens. I, I don't know if anyone's ever went through the having a TV show um, type situation, but it is the biggest hurry up and wait thing you've ever experienced in your life. So we'll see if opportunities arise. I'd love to talk about them, but I still love the, the, the cooking competition opportunities because, you know, still an athlete at heart, man. And there's nothing better than game time. Um, I got a quick question for you. Well, here's another one that just came in. I apologize. Sorry about this. Ricky says Memphis or Kansas city barbecue. I mean, I understand yeah. a little bit, but maybe give a little background yeah. of what he's referring to there. So what Ricky's asking there is Memphis is known as a dry rub barbecue, where Kansas City's no more as a, a sweet, wet barbecue. Um, for me as a pit master, I, I hate when people cover things up in, in a ton of sauce. I like to take these sauces, I like to get them really hot to where they're almost more of a glaze. I, I always feel like when you cook meat, the meat should always be the star of the show. The smoke, the, the seasoning, the glaze, all that, man, just elevates it. But when you bite into it, you should get the meat. So if you had to ask me, I do want burn-ins from Kansas City because I do believe those should be sauced and they're delicious. But everything else, like ribs, I'm more of a Memphis guy, dry rub. Okay, I'm, uh, we got some more questions, but I want to talk about this real quick. This blows my mind. You're a barbecue guy. Okay, I look at you and I don't think of you as anything but my friend and a badass on the grill, but I know what you are outside of, of our friendship. And this is going to solidify this for a second. And I want you to give me a little bit of feedback on this. I just found this out. I had no idea. You have had the honor of serving your championship barbecue to some of the following, all of the following. I shouldn't say some of the following. You ready for this? John Dudley, Tim Montana, Several SEAL team members, Hank Haney, Chad Mendez of the USC, Brett Saberhagen, who was a pitcher for the Royals, Mike Allscott, Rob O'Neill, Drew Brees, quarterback for the New, the, the New Orleans Saints, Rich Eisen, who's a sportscaster for ESPN, Dan Patrick, who you continuously cook for on his podcast and his TV show. This is amazing. Vic Mensa, Colt Ford, Josh Jumel, Michael Ray, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. For real? That was a cool one. I did Stone Cold's podcast, too. That was pretty awesome. Stone Cold uses a Traeger? Yeah, he does. He has a PTG and a 1300 Timberline. Chris Young, country music star. Yep. Kane Brown, country music. Jason Aldean. Let's talk about Aldean for a second. Um, we all know what happened in Vegas at Route 99, Route 91, whatever yep. the music festival down there. Jason was on stage when the, that hor horrific deal took place you cook for jason you cook for his crew were you in vegas when it went down no i cooked in uh i cooked in tampa and i cooked in salt lake city for him and you know jason and and, and his personal uh security rhino and and the band i mean those guys are just super cool and and it was interesting because we had cooked for him in tampa because it's not too far from my house and so like four weeks later we cooked for him in salt lake city obviously because that's where hq is and dude, they started lining up like 20 minutes early like yeah, man, we know it's and, – and it was – they were like – the funny part was they were like, yeah, we actually told catering since the food was so good last time to c cut catering by by four-fifths for that night because everybody was going to eat from us, which I thought was pretty, pretty How cool. How awesome is yeah. that? So did, does a guy like Jason Aldean walk up to you with his hat on backwards and he just got done singing one of his badass country hits and he goes, dude, really? Like, 
this is awesome barbecue. Yeah, no, that they, they were super nice, man. Like you know, Jason came. They came through. We fed them uh, before the concert, um, and then you know we got to uh, and, and we got to watch side stage. And then if you wanted to go down in the pit, you could watch there. And um, and literally afterwards, like, dude, don't go anywhere, man. Hang out and you know, hang out with the band. And I, I had some food left. You know, I always try to make sure you got food left over. You know, these guys have been you know, out there running across the stage for two, two and a half hours. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we warmed some food up for them and fed some folks. And, yeah, man, it was it was a great experience, man. And just down-to-earth folks, man, that's what I love about barbecue. It's not pretentious, man. People love a good rib, love a good piece of brisket, and, and, and you can do it for, you know, obviously I've been fortunate to do it for a ton of people. I mean. I take you for a ride on my big green track. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I just had to do it. Here's my favorite one on the list. I saw my names on here. It That's is kind of cool. I appreciate yeah. that, brother. I'm a cowboy, babe. You cooked barbecue for Kid Rock, Bobby. I've hung with yeah. Bobby. So he's I, awesome. Talk to me. I, I, now I'll tell you. So the first two pieces of wild game I ever cooked in my life is is for Kid Rock, Bob Ritchie at his place in Alabama. We were going up there to take care to do some other business, grilling wise, and uh, he just goes, "Hey, man, well." Well, all this is going on, and it was a ton of cooking. He goes, man, I got this axis deer I just harvested down in Florida, and I got this turkey breast I've been brining for the last day. Why don't you cook those up for me and my friends tonight? I'm like, yeah, man, no no, no problem. <laughs> no hesitation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Cell phone doesn't work you out. You know what an axis deer is, Chad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm sitting there, and I, I had remembered some of my buddies talking about how lean they were because of how active they are. And I was like, well, shoot, man, I guess, you know, I'm going to take this this axis deer rack and I'm going to cook it to like 128, you know? So I cooked it at 275 on the Traeger till it was 128, pulled it off, put it in my cooler, let it rest. It finished off at like 131, 132 degrees. Um, I did 275 on the Turkey breast. I pulled it off at 155, went in there, both of them cooked on a Traeger, went in there, um, you know, cut it up for Audrey, Bobby and, and the crew. And I kind of went back out to my, my 10 by 10 to get some other stuff done. And, he came out about 30 minutes later. He's like, dude, that's the best wild game I've ever had in my life. And it was like, he's like, you cook a lot of this. Huh? I was like, first two pieces ever, man. We can only go down from here. <laughs> God, that's cool as heck, man. But but I always tell people that, you know, when you're cooking something for the first time, pull on your past experiences to uh, to make that as successful as possible. I can't get uh, the, uh, uh, this whole last two hours has been awesome for me, but I can't. Are we, get, are we, are we at two hours? Yeah. We're, I mean, we, it just goes by. I mean, that's simple conversation, boy. Um, I appreciate everybody that joined us on Instagram live. And I truly apologize for everybody that we did not get to. We will be doing this again. Um, I'll make an announcement now, Chad and I'll be doing a podcast together again, uh, probably before this one, but for sure in September, we're going to be at the Royal grand, no, not the American Royal. The American Royal Championship, barbecue championship in Kansas City yep. at the racetrack. Yep. 180,000 public, people from the public come into this deal. Yeah. Uh, Traeger's going to have a 90 by 90 booth, something big. We're going to have our podcast station set up there. We're going to have some of the Kansas City Royals drop in, some of the hunting community in that area drop in, um, as well as everybody that's uh, a fanatic of, of Traeger, the Traeger brand, the Traeger grills, Team Traeger, the pitmasters at Traeger. I'm excited about that. So again, I appreciate everybody that joined us on Instagram Live. We will be doing it again. I can't wait for Kansas City. I mean, just the energy and the 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 aromas the smell oh, yeah. i talked i talked to some guys on the royals and i'm like y'all are coming because y'all y'all are in town that week with the twins and trust me we're going to be there that's like 
every, every I'm, hey, I'm going to be, at, yeah, yeah. Well, you and, should be and, there and, because and, we're there every year. And I'm like, really? Yeah, everybody yeah. goes to this deal. Well, yeah, you know, and, and I think we'll get a lot of the Chiefs. You know, when we were down, uh, when we were down at the World Turkey Hunting Championships, um, you know, our buddy Tyler's got four or five of the Chiefs guys cooking on Traegers now, and they came down and hung out and had dinner with us at the at the World Turkey Hunt. So I'm, I'm I think some of those guys are going to come out and kick it with us at the Royal too. Really? Is it yeah. still politically correct to call them that? The Kansas, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else are we going to call them? The, the Kansas City City NFL football team. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you when you start talking about your passion for barbecue again, and and it's these podcasts are so weird because I never know when to stop. Right. Yeah. Like, is somebody going to really listen to Chad Belding and Chad Ward talk? And I and by the the numbers and the statistics, they are. Um, I could talk to you forever. I love you like a brother. And. Um, your, your business, your personal business is so successful right now. Brick and mortar, whiskey bent barbecue. Yep. I love the name. Okay. Bud light and Budweiser are a huge partner of ours, but I love the name whiskey bent and to hear, to hear the success that's going on. And I heard you on a phone call and I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but you have franchising going on. Yeah. I, I want in on this deal, bro. <laughs> We we can work it out. We um you know, you were talking about some of the great causes and uh Dan, uh Danielle and Paul Gage are our, our franchisees that have taken over Pasco and just opened Dunedin and uh they have a charity called Reeling Freedom where they take veterans out deep sea fishing on their boat. Um and you know, met these folks, know what they're all about and they're a great fit and uh just starting to look at other opportunities and and uh, see what else is out there. But yeah, Whiskey Bent Barbecue Supply. We've got an online presence also, which we're updating right now. It should be like, I mean, you can still go order right now. We're, we're taking orders daily, but you should see a pretty sweet switch over here in about two weeks on the whole web front end and, and uh, back end on the ordering. So this man right here is Jim Ray. We were talking about, you yes, know, sir. with a, with a company like Whiskey Bent Barbecue, Jim has a lot of passion for outdoor. And he's the one that I was telling you. And I, and I, you know, a lot of the things I say probably do sound fabricated because I, I have a blessed life and I get to hear a lot of stories. And Jim's been a dear friend of mine for a lot of years. And when I say stuff like he literally says that he, I, his kitchen's really clean because they don't use it. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and he really said this, right. And Jim can come in here. I have to go use the men's room just for 30 seconds. Number one. And I just want Jim, Jim, come in here real quick and put these headphones on. Talk to Chad Ward. This is Jim Ray. This is the guy that does the, the deboning of the geese and the yeah. duck. He's a man. I told you on the tr truck ride over here that he is the master when it comes to cooking. He's got a lot of passion for it, but him and his wife, Julie, I want you to talk about Jim, how Julie, how you have confidence in letting your wife turn on the grill. You never did before. And Julie's awesome. You'll meet her tonight. She is badass, beautiful. I don't know how he got her. He's out kicking his butt, but he is awesome. He's got an unbelievable sense of humor. Um, and then I want you to talk about how your family is went from the kitchen and the oven and the stovetop and, and that to the Traeger. Here's Jim Ray. Thank you. I'm, I'll be right back. All right. Jim, man, pleasure to meet you. I mean, it's... uh. We're doing hey, it, Chad. We're doing, we're doing it with a couple hundred people watching. We can shake hands later, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, there's nothing like being put on the spot there. I just brought out a drink, and next thing I know, I'm a celebrity. Which this was a pecan. Yeah, it's a pecan. It's P-I-C-O-N. It's a Basque drink. So pretty uh, pretty popular around these parts. A lot of Basques. That's what I was hearing. Yep. But uh, tell you what, I had to steal. Chad kept promising, oh, I'll get you a Traeger. I'll get you a Traeger. And one night we had a party here, so I just got myself a Traeger. <laughs> Put it in the back of my He'll truck. He'll never miss it, right? Woke up the next morning, like, ooh, I better take this back. He's like, I'll just keep it. And that was last October. And I swear, we haven't turned on our gas grill since. I haven't even opened it. And anything that we've done in the oven is now done on the Traeger from Brussels sprouts for dinner to asparagus to 
we've done pies on it, everything. Pizzas. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at our menu tonight. I mean, we've got brisket, we've got pork butt, we got ribs, we got chicken, we got a uh, no boil mac and cheese, we've got baked beans, we mm. got peach cobbler. All that's going to be done Favorite. on on the Pro Thirty Four. So I mean, that's uh, that's pretty kick ass. Right on. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, it's. I swear, and and people are they think I'm nuts because I'm just like, hey, have you got a trigger yet? And they're like, what? You are you work for them? I'm like, no, but I would. <laughs> I sell that thing everywhere. I'm like, it is a game changer. It's a life changer for yeah. me because I cook a ton. Yep. If I'm not uh, cooking on the stovetop, it's on the Traeger. And those are the two things I use in my house. And the oven hasn't even been maybe to warm up some French fries if we, <laughs> you know, coming home from a baseball practice yeah. or something like that. And just the other night, Julia was at baseball practice. She's like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, just turn the Traeger on, throw some, uh, some, some thighs on there and got home and she had done them perfect. I mean, That's you awesome. cannot screw it up. It's, nah. They're foolproof. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, talk to me about this this deboned goose, man. man. I've, I've watched you and uh, Chad Belding do it on on the, the Foul Life TV Instagram stories, and uh, it literally had me wanting to leave wherever I was at and jump on the next plane to come out here and be a part oh. of it, dude. It, it, it looks so beautiful, but walk me through it, man. man That's I was amazing. I, I had a uh, – my mom was married to a guy that was just a – good old duck hunting guy from he had a place in california and i started duck hunting up here when i was shoot 14 or 15 years old and and i was bringing home ducks and i didn't know what to do with them i was breasting them out and making shish kebabs and jerky and he's like no 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 and bring some of those over and we plucked them and and he showed me you just bone out that carcass all that you just take a real sharp knife and get around all that carcass and clip it at the the joints with the legs and the then you just loosely sew it back up and about what are, you, what are you using to sew it back up? Just any, just a heavy thread. Okay. And just like a, like a, a curved needle. And, yeah. Or you can just use a skewer and just, you know, kind Work of weave through. that through. Yeah. But then you fill it up with about three-quarter cooked uh, wild rice mm-hmm. and then just throw it on that grill as hot as that grill will get. And uh, it's so, that rice will soak up all the uh, juice so, from oh, the duck. Dude, so, so all that fat you got going yep. into the cavity gets it goes soaked into up that in wild that rice. Ri- oh, and man. then that wild rice blows them up like footballs. And then you just every, so why am I cooking tonight? I don't you, know. You got me hungry now, dang yeah. man! I'm excited. My I, my kid asked me. I told him you were going to be here with Chad, and anytime Chad throws a party, which is pretty much every weekend, <laughs> that uh, Murphy, my boy, is like, oh, we're going over there, and and uh, I told him you were coming. He's like, well, could I miss school? <laughs> I said you'll be there tonight, bud. He's not going anywhere. So yeah, he's excited. Awesome. I look forward to it. He's a he's a Traeger. He's my Traeger judge. I just did a talk about pork loin the other night, and he's like, Dad, that was one of the top five Traeger things yet. And I just I did it just like you, you said, yeah. but I, I put some of that uh, what, that sweet, what is it? Yes. The sweet heat? Yeah, no, that's my favorite, though, the uh, sugar lips. Oh, yeah. I put sugar lips on right when it was done and, gla- and put it, finished it off with that as the glaze. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. No, I'll tell you what, man. And what I love about you know tenderloins or even whole pork loins it's a blank canvas. Oh. It, it'll go wherever you want to take it, right? Just cook it perfect. You know, if you want to go Korean, if you want to go Asian, uh, if you want to go just hardcore barbecue flavors, dude, you, you can knock it out. It's great. Yeah, it's it's been great. And I tell you what, that that uh, sweet heat, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, no, that that that's one of those, man. That's a table sauce. Oh, my God. Yeah, you, you can put that on the table and you can enjoy it on about anything. Yep. We got any questions we need to hit, Tom? Uh, well, here's one. 
All right, so question was, where do I pick up shorts like Chad has? I'm very fortunate to have the fine friends over at loudmouthgolf.com uh, as part of the Whiskey Bent uh, partner program. So you can check them out. I'm, I'm actually, I just got 12 fresh pairs from them. So I've been all fresh pair this week for all the uh, videos and whatnot. So loudmouthgolf.com. Is that John Daly? Uh, J- yeah, the Daly's, Daly's their main guy that they sponsor. Have you cooked for him? We're working on it. Really? Yeah. That'd be cool. I guess you I, I guess you would have to be a cook at Hooters to cook for John Daly. <laughs> in, in Augusta <laughs> during the Masters. Yeah. We got a question from All American Outdoors. Chad makes amazing lobster tails. Can you uh, elaborate on that? All right. So amazing lobster tails. The other night we had the coolest surf and turf in the world to me. We were up there at it's a place we got to get you belting up at uh, Bearded Buck in North uh, Pennsylvania. My buddy uh, J Rod Tibbet, uh, beautiful lodge, beautiful place. And Jerry always, if Jerry says, "What do you want to cook?" and I'm like, "Well, Jerry's like, don't worry about the budget. What do you want to cook?" And we did beef ribs and lobster tail. That was our surf and turf. And what I did with the lobster tail is, I like to cut that lobster tail about halfway into the tail. And then I'll, I'll open the sides up and pull the meat out and place it on top of the shell. So now it's elevated, right? I'm not getting any radiant heat. I'm just getting the convection heat. Um, there, we have a new rub that's been out now for about a month, maybe six weeks. The Line and Kugel Summer Shanty Rub. It is dynamite on seafood and chicken. So I just dusted that real nice, uh, put them on there. I, I believe I was at, I know I was at 325 and... I can give you an idea of about 20 to 25 minutes, but my best way, the one of the few things I cook to feel is lobster. Um, just have a glove on your hand. When you start to see that color turn a little bit, I just take my two fingers and feel the tail on each side and kind of push into it. As soon as it pushes back at me, it's done. If I can push it and it doesn't, and it doesn't kick back out, it's still a little bit raw. You need to get it done, but lobster too expensive, man. Don't overcook it. Um, but yeah, it, it's when, whenever you kind of pinch on that, on that tail and it kicks, you know, and it gives you a little bit of resistance back, you're done. Here's another question. Does any retail chain stores sell Traeger seasoning and marinades? Uh, yeah, I will tell you your number one place to go as far as big retailers across the country, Ace Hardware. Ace Hardware is a great, I mean, we have a great program with Ace. Uh, they carry a lot of the rubs and sauces. So I go check out your local Ace Hardware. Um, if you don't have an ace in your area, we all also partner with Do It Best. Um, but Ace, Ace is the place. So yeah, I know when Chad's out of town, I stuff. always head down to Ace. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of seafood, we were over on the coast for kids' spring break, and they had uh, this little place, and they were cooking oysters over wood fire. Yeah. So I came uh, home, got some oysters, put it on the Traeger. Uh, Unbelievable little fin and feather uh, yeah. sprinkle on there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, uh, I'll tell you what, oysters on the Traeger are oh. killer, dude. I did a uh, just a basic one the other night. I did a little bit of big game rub and then a little bit of uh, flake Parmesan on top. Dude, if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> okay, Chad, how about this one? What about your rap game? Oh, my rap game. Who asked that one? <laughs> All-American Outdoors. So uh, I, I did just have an opportunity to – cook for Vic Mensa, which is a, a pretty popular rapper at his place. And after we got done cooking, after we got done uh, cleaning up, they were doing a recording session down in the basement. So 
I may or may not went and dropped a couple of lyrics. We'll, we'll see if they make the record or Let's not, but I can't. Good Lord, look, it's Chad Ward with this man in the seat. There's no way we could be bored. It's Jim Ray. It's going to be a great day, but tonight we're going to light the light. We're going to put up the good fight. We got Leith Lofton sitting in the chair singing his songs. He's just the man. He's from Nashville. He's going to kill. He's got the drill down. It's my boy Chad Ward. Good Lord, like I said before, the man on the barbecue, he don't mess it up, but when he puts the chicken on, you better dress it up with a little bit of that dry rub. I call fins and feather there ain't nothing better let's get together like traeger brings us all in the yard chad ward i'm gonna give it to you now did you like my freestyle i'll go the extra mile i'm glad you're here but we gotta call it quits we gotta get to the grill or we're gonna forget the meat's on there it's gonna overcook oh good lord chad ward let's go boy <laughs> i am not gonna try to match that <laughs> if this were uh if this were rap battle or mic drop or whatever mike is dropped bro Winner. that was that's a walk-off right there that is a walk-off all right guys i guess we're wrapped up here on instagram live dude thank yeah, you guys so much and uh what a great time dude i i still find it hard to believe that we just mowed through two hours and 20 minutes but uh it was awesome, but you are right. We got to go wrap some butts and briskets. We, we do have to wrap it, guys, and here's the deal. Thank you again. We went back Instagram Live again. It won't stop. We can't stop, but um, Chad, I'm going to say this again. The the championships, the 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 things that you've created, your recipes, the the brick and mortar, it doesn't mean anything to me except for the fact that it's made you the man that you are. I don't have to kiss your ass. You're just, the, you're just awesome. You're a lovable dude that drops knowledge is always willing to just give the, that advice that somebody might need. And I love you because you have no envy. You want everybody to be as good as you are. And even though that we'll probably never, to get to your level of barbecue, we're going to need a really tall ladder or a rocket ship, right? I could have made a rhyme about that. I think somebody <laughs> did, Lil Wayne maybe. But again, my friendship with you means everything. This podcast is about, it's called This Life Ain't For Everybody. And it's not about, hey, don't try this. You don't want to be part. It's about, I said it before, but being a, a pit master is not for everybody. Being yep. a janitor is not for everybody. Being, you know, being an insurance salesman, being a duck hunter, being a, a car mechanic is not for everybody. But we all have these common threads. And that's what Traeger's doing. It's bringing yep. us back together. The con I've always said, I, I said it in all my podcasts almost, is that Hunting, duck hunting especially, is the common denominator that brings all these different walks of life together. It might be for one day. It might be for three days. It might be for a week in camp. But when you're there, you might be a janitor. You might be a school teacher. You might be a heart surgeon. You might be a, a veteran or a, a guy fighting for our freedom. You might be a guide. It doesn't matter. But when it's 5 o'clock on Friday and you put those camo pants on and you got your dog with you, we're all the same person, whether you're men or woman or boy or girl. And that's what I love about you, man, is that barbecue brings us together. Traeger, the brand, is blowing up. It continues to blow up. And I'm so proud to be associated with it. Thank you for what you do, not just for myself, my family, my friends like Jim and Tom and Clay and everybody that we're associated with here at Bandit and Avery and the Foul Life and all of the different things we have going on across the country to have you sitting in the studio and dropping the knowledge that you dropped, you are a badass, Chad Ward. And kudos to you, my man, for your passion, your love for life, and your ability to lay down this barbecue knowledge. I'm so proud to be your friend. Brother, thank you so much, man. And if I can just say something real quick, it it is amazing, man. I look at the friendship we've built over time and, and and not just, you know, talking about cooking, but you know, there's times we pick each other's brain about business and I'll hit you up about, hey man, I'm thinking about this. What's your opinion? Um, I, I love having that, dude. And I love what you do. You're you're bringing these folks that are outdoors people and you're, you're not only teaching them how to harvest, but then how to make that harvest 
oops, pretty kick-ass. You know what I mean? Uh, with the trigger, with the seasonings, with all those things, dude. So same to you, man. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll keep doing it together, and good times will be had, and hopefully people will learn stuff. And today's a perfect example of that. We got Leith Lofton from Nashville. We got Jim Ray from Nevada. We got my brother. You met my cousin Eric from Alabama. He's living in Luxembourg, working for the U.S. government. Used to work for NASA. We're going to have about 160 people at my brother Clay's 40th birthday party tonight. Couldn't be more proud of our friends and family and the people that we surround ourselves with that are going to be able to celebrate with us tonight. Um, it's just, it's one of those deals. My dad's up in heaven looking down on us going, boy, you all better man them grills. And right now we got to go man those grills. Leith Lofton's here from Nashville. He sings a song called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone. It's called Money All Gone. He sings us in and out of every podcast. Guys, I'm Chad Belding for Chad Ward again. Traeger, Whiskey Bent Barbecue. You can follow him on Instagram at at Whiskey Bent Barbecue, same at Facebook. He is the man. Support him. Buy a shirt, buy a hat, spread the, spread the good word. Kendrick Barbecue in California. Spread the word of our boy Kendrick down there and what he's doing and what barbecue and the Traeger brand has brought to his life. Support the people that Traeger supports. Support your local retailers in your area. If you have any questions for Chad, don't be afraid to reach out at TraegerGrills.com. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is in the books. Leith Lofton sang us out yesterday live with The Money's All Gone. Tom, go ahead and hit that button. Thank you, guys. We couldn't be more humbled by everybody that tunes in and listens to us. I'm Chad Belding for Chad Ward again. We out and we're headed to the grills. Last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?